Hello, how's it going? I'm Walt Hickey, and this apparently just turned off. Usually the music's better. Um, <laughs> joining me as always is Neil Payne. Neil, how are you? Hey, Walt. You know, I love our uh, highly professional openings. That's, I think, the yes. thing that people say the is the best part of the show, yes. is how professional our openings are. Our professionals are the most opening in the world, and um, it is... Uh, <laughs> our professionals are opening, yes, that yes, is Yes, it true. is definitely yeah. appropriately licensed anyway. Um, but yeah, so this is uh, a couple of goons, a... Um, Sporadic podcast, podcast Sporadic about podcast. hockey. That's, that answers when called. Um, previously, we were introducing the playoffs, and now we are exiting the playoffs and into the Stanley Cup. It'll be great. Yeah, no, it's it's been a long journey, a yep. journey for uh, one of our favorite teams that uh, we we got really into and mm-hmm. then um, believed that they might win. And then uh, certain things happen. The moment that belief happens, it brings you love that we're talking about Edmonton, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. but- I actually got really into the Oilers. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was like, you know, that that uh, that parade the other day or whatever that was, the bar crawl. It was actually me, Connor McDavid and not Connor McDavid's girlfriend. We were actually there, all three of us together. (laughs) But um, but yeah, so this was a very, um, a very sad playoffs. And I it was happy for a while. It was happy for a while. And then it got sad. And I can't believe that you're still holding me basically for those listening. Uh, about a week ago, when the Rangers were still very much in it, I and Neil and I were divvying up our responsibilities this week. And I obviously, I, I said, I'll do the intro for the winner of the Eastern Conference because I, at the time, was pretty sure it was going to be the Rangers. And then when um, they didn't, I went to Neil. I was like, okay, do you want to take it? And he was like, no, I'm going to make you introduce <laughs> the winners of this of this conference to our people. So like, I guess you want me to, Hey, to the loser go the spoils. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is what you texted me. Um, Congratulations to the Tampa Bay lightning who are going to represent the East in the Stanley cup, which is a very popular award for hockey. Steven Stamkos is no jokes with 106 points this season, 42 goals and 64 assists. And, no chance that Colorado will get a headman with Victor Headman defending the net with a team high 2505 average time on ice this this season. This Victor will deprive you of your Victor E. Next up, just a touch of the cooch as Nikita Kucherov is sitting pretty with a nice 69 points. That sure is going to cut down on you ranging any kid liner. Now, obviously leading us all is uh, coach John Coops Cooper. And Avalanche don't stand a chance because the only point this team is going to miss out on is Brandon Point, who is out with a leg injury. Finally, we have Braden. (laughs) Oh, Braden. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Fucking millennials. Uh, Finally, we have the Big Cat himself, a nickname that he acquired because of the gigantic hairballs that he expels on a daily basis inside the locker room, Andre Vasilevsky. He is going to protect our net. (laughs) We will see you at Scenic Amelie Arena, which is named after the Amelie Oil Company. That is right. This team is so hot that they are contributing to an inevitable march towards 2.5 degrees Celsius increase in the global climate that will make hockey as vestigial as the woolly mammoths and then will make the quantities of snow and ice required for a Colorado avalanche entirely rare. So there. Okay. 
Well done. Well done. See, I thought you were going to go with an Alex Killorn killed my hopes of the Rangers winning. This is a forward looking this is a forward looking preview, not a post view of the team that fucking and broke my heart. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, uh, yeah, maybe uh, Pat Maroon will have more than five (laughs) points in this uh, in this final. Anyway, (laughs) uh, yeah, so well done with that. Thank you. Appreciate the artistry. (laughs) How do you you deal with the pain, the pain on the inside that doesn't stop? Yeah, well, uh, uh, Chris Kreider hasn't figured that out yet either. He had a uh, weepy, uh, you know, press conference or whatever it was the other day. Um, yeah, it was it was a real shame what happened to the Rangers. I actually thought that they, um, I thought they were going to win. Uh, I thought I, they like, were going to win too. I thought they were going to. I, you know, uh, I had written about the fact that they had been unbeatable in uh, elimination games. Yep. And, you know, you're really only unbeatable in elimination games until you get eliminated. That's yeah. the lesson I feel like that we all can kind of take away from that. It was wild. Again, they were, I imagine that they were fucking exhausted because they played seven games, seven games, seven games. Game. Like they played yeah. a lot of games. They played, they played the most possible hockey that one can play. Yeah. And um, I am not shocked that they were gassed. Again, I will say like, I did have a stupid bit of hope when they like won the first two. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Oh, and yeah. like, well, yeah. gosh, at that point I was like, so are they going to sweep or are they going to win in five? Uh, <laughs> we were texting about that. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I also feel like, you know, there were just certain plays in that where it could have easily have gone the other way. And uh, like there, uh, there were a few plays where, you know, they had, like an empty net and they could have scored and the puck just kind of skipped over a stick or something. It really is like a razor thin margin. It makes you appreciate what Tampa Bay has done the past uh, three years because like they just keep finding ways to win these games, you know, these kind of toss up games that they need to. uh, And, and, you know, they've just done it for like years on end. That's why uh, we'll probably get into this, but like they, uh, they're, they're not, keen on the whole like d word dynasty but i do mm. think that this is like really a dynastic um team already and then yeah. you know to get three straight would be something that um like i think want to say like five or six teams have ever done uh yeah. in in history so like you're not you're, you're talking about joining like a all-time exclusive club if they go on to win the cup and that's yeah. the type of team like, you know, uh, a team of destiny like the Rangers. It felt like a team of destiny. But like when they run up against a dynasty type of team, what can you do? It's also it's not impo- it's not like it's very easy to be bullish on the Rangers, I think, because obviously this was pilled as a rebuild and it went very well. And also, you know, they have a, a line that is to some notor- notoriety young. And, yes. and I think that it's a I don't know. I feel very good looking forward. The child line. I the, ch- the, the, <laughs> the children's crusade. Um, yeah. But um. <laughs> It is a, uh, it's fun. I don't know. It was very fun to get into it this year in that regard. I also think that New York, like seeing New York realize it is a hockey town is a very, very fun thing to see from the outside. And uh, yeah, yeah, the Ranger, uh, the Rangers really get New York going in a way that like, you know, few other teams even in the area can, I mean, the Yankees, especially the way they've been playing, if they go on, you know, it's obviously going to be a, a big deal. And when the Giants won the Super Bowl, that was a big deal. But, like, the, there's something about the Rangers specifically that just, like, you know, the New York fans are just like, yeah, fucking Rangers, Something good man. happening in Madison Square, Square Garden is just good for the it's blood of the city. 
Right. It is just such a rarity, you know, uh, <laughs> although they did move uh, Penn Station or at least parts of it across the street. Yes. So but but they actually they took the nice part and they and they moved yeah. it across. the street. So now actually the share of bad things that happen as a percentage of all things in Madison Square Garden, uh, either above street level or below is yeah. actually uh, it's it's higher now. <laughs> I went to the dumbest event in Madison Square Garden a few weeks ago, uh, which was the uh, darts championship. Oh my uh, god! It was wild. Well, like I, a it, British, they got like a lot yeah. of British people there. Oh, every it was it was like every Brit in New York who didn't give a damn about the Jubilee, and like it was like uh, it was a great vibe. It was like we got really outstanding seats for other. It was in the Hulu theater downstairs, so it was like shockingly <laughs> intimate, and. Um, it was like chanting. It was great. It was like it was a very, very, very good vibe. Um, and as far as such things go, we don't um, talk about darts enough. I mean, you and I on this podcast, but also just in general. I think it's, I think sport. it's coming up. I think like this is like their first event. Like they had like one event in the states in two thousand like nineteen, and then an event occurred, uh, and then they this was their big return, and it was like full and it was a party and it was great. I don't know. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Love I think that. The, Love yeah. That. Next time we should do a live show from outside. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely outside the Hulu Theater in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> or um, we do it from the inside, and then they would just, you know, the as is the policy when someone is like loudly recording a podcast in the midst of a darts <laughs> match, they actually are allowed to throw the dart at your eye. <laughs> we need to have like those BBC mics that just cover your face that all the sports people have. Yeah, right. um, it'll be a. Uh, yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, darts and the Rangers, only good things to occur in Madison Square Garden in a very long time. Even Billy Joel is <laughs> missing some steps. But anyway, um, would you like yeah, to Yeah, he talk has wrecked about- a few cars recently. Yes, he has. I don't uh, know if that's true, but it's a safe assumption. Recently, is any time in the past 40 years, we're good. Um, <laughs> do, would you like to talk about the Colorado uh, Avalanche? Uh, yeah, let's talk about the Avalanche because they are nasty, you know, as as much as we just went on a little bit about the lightning and about how great they are in kind of a historical context. The Avalanche, you know, they've been the better team all season long and they are having one of the best playoffs, I think, of any team to make the finals ever. Certainly in, in recent memory, they're 12 and two in the playoffs. Uh, they have steamrolled teams basically you know they have a uh, plus 1.8 goals per game difference which is b- uh, more than twice as good as Tampa's in the playoffs now i think you know Tampa played a slightly tougher group of teams along the way but the avalanche are scoring a ton and you know they're getting pretty good goaltending also uh although you know some of that is up in the air in terms of the injury to Darcy Kemper uh it sounds like he's going to be available for game one of the finals but you know you never know with these goalies in the playoffs um but yeah this team uh we've kind of raved about them for not just this year but I think last year we spent a lot of time raving about them um and they ended up losing early in the playoffs but this is the type of season that they've been sort of having in their targets for a while now and it just seems like everything is kind of clicking for them so i'm really curious to see this matchup between you know colorado and it's like crazy depth crazy scoring you know they uh are are just seem like this unstoppable force and then you have tampa who seems to always close out teams with like shutouts and just kind of when they need to clamp down defensively. And they've done this throughout the dynasty. It's just like, 
Oh yeah, Vasilevsky is going to just like not allow any goals now. Hope that's okay. Uh, and and that has been their um, their mo throughout the whole time. Like we think of them because they do have Stamkos and uh, you know all of these like elite offensive players. We think of them as being you know a high high powered offensive team, and that is true. You know it's been true uh, throughout the regular season and things like that. But I think their biggest strength is that they can just totally clamp down on you defensively. Uh, and teams don't really seem to have like a lot of answer for that. So I'm curious as to whether Colorado will kind of crack that code. Nobody and, has been able to figure it out for like three years. I mean, these, where I, here's games. where I come down. Like this might just be my opinion, but I feel like we've been waiting 33 years for a Stanley Cup matchup that that's good. I think I've all year long, heard that take before. All year long, we wondered whether the unique circumstances of the 2021-22 NHL season, with a deep field of contenders scoring a generational high, would collide with the playoffs' usual reputation for unpredictability to deliver an un- extra dose of chaos. I don't know. That's just I don't know if this is a popular it idea. Comes to it's, mind off the top of your head. Uh, yeah, well, you know, whoever wrote that article was at local click farm 538. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, basically in that story, though, I did. Uh, so I looked at the ELO ratings of Colorado and Tampa and uh, compared that to other sort of like pre finals ELO ratings from throughout history. Uh, and this is one of the like handful of best on paper uh, matchups uh, in the history of the Stanley Cup final. Now, on paper can sometimes, you know, not actually deliver a great matchup. And we've seen that, like, you know, think about Super Bowls in the past where, like, you know, you'd have, like, a super hyped up, you know, oh, Denver and Seattle, that sounds great. Peyton Manning <laughs> against the Legion of Boom, and then it's just, like, a complete <laughs> laugher. For, I don't think, for the record, that this one is going to be, like, a sweep or anything like that. I do think that um, this has the potential to to go seven and just be, like, one of the best classic series that we've seen in a long time. And, you know, one of the other ones that showed up on those lists, I looked at um, number one versus number two matchups, which this mm-hmm. one also is in ELO. And um, the best matchups just in terms of the combined ratings of the teams. And another series that consistently showed up as being high on that list and kind of comparable to this was in 2001 when the Avalanche played the New Jersey Devils and that one went seven games and was also sort of an instant classic type of series that had so many twists and turns. So you're kind of looking at like a previous version of the Avalanche and then kind of comparing it to this one and seeing, you know, a lot of parallels, I think. And and I think that could be true here as well. Like maybe you could cast the lightning in that devil's mold of like a team that can suffocate you defensively. I think the lightning are better offensively than those devil's teams were, which makes it even better because, you know, you're talking about the team that's not favored being better than a team that won multiple cups, uh, you know, back a generation before. Um, and, and, and of course have won the last two cups in, in this reality as well. Yeah. I, I mean, again, like you said, you, you, allude to the fact that on paper isn't always necessarily the case, but um, on paper, this does look really, really good. Like this has, these are two teams that you have been hyping for a while. And then also I thought it was cool when like, again, looking at this article that you wrote um, that I was directly stealing from moments ago, Um, like all the ones that were like one versus two matchups since 2001 have all either gone to six or seven. And that's they all look rather good. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think that this one is probably even more evenly matched than some of those ones were too. Like if you're talking about the gap between number one and number two uh, and just like 
ELO points, you know, for whatever that's worth. But uh, and also these teams were, I believe, one and two in our preseason uh, ELO forecast at uh, github.com slash Neil Payne 538 slash GitHub. <laughs> Uh, but basically, yeah, like this is actually pretty rare too. And I get into that a little bit as well, that like, you're talking about teams that basically from wire to wire, I mean, there were other teams that, you know, ebbed and flowed and kind of thought made it seem like they would jump into that conversation. Like Florida, remember Florida? Uh, yeah, that was, that was rough for them, but they went up against Tampa and Tampa was just a, a buzzsaw. So, you know, I think you could look at this as like, these teams were expected to be the best and they've ended up being the best. And that is like incredibly rare in hockey because usually surprisingly there have been like the number one team at the end of the year at the, you know, going into the finals has like a strong presence in the um, in the Stanley Cup final, which makes sense because like by definition, you have to, you know, win some playoff games to make it to the final. But the 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 number two team doesn't have a strong presence at all. Usually it's mm. like the number one versus the number eight or nine or 10 or, you know, some kind of weird team that kind of snuck in. So it's it's kind of special this year that it's it's like legitimately, you know, the the winner of this uh, will basically have no questions to an- answer about their like, you know, legitimacy or, you know, what they had to kind of make their way through or whether it was luck or, you know, all the things that we sometimes can ask about hockey teams that succeed in the playoffs because it is so fluky most of the time. Yeah. One thing that I like enjoyed about this this season in general, I think it's been fun because obviously it's had an entirely new set of broadcast uh, partners and whatnot. And uh, again, it has potentially it's just because my team was good in this and the city in which I live and started enjoying things. But like, it does feel like there's a little bit more cultural penetration than it has in the past. I think we haven't even talked about it since um, like the documentary that's coming out that you had, you, that you had hyped about constantly between uh, the rivalry between the Red Wings. Um, and, uh, Avs, right? Is that yeah, the avalanche? Yeah, Yeah. and 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 like I just think that there's a component of mainstreamness that's happening that I hadn't necessarily seen last year. Again, last year was very hard to pin down any monoculture because of the pandemic and the residuals of it, but it just seems like it's interesting that hockey, I think, has actually been a little bit more, um, let's just more seen, more forward, and I think it could just be some of the shakeup when it comes to the broadcast, a little bit more streaming forward, a little bit more. Um, again, big cities have had a good year, I think, where that hasn't always been the case. But I don't know. I would love your thoughts on just like the state of the game in relation to where it's been in the public persona, in the public perception. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I think you're totally right about like ESPN is just, you know, NBC Sports Network. God bless. R.I.P. Uh, pour one out. Um, you know, it was like it was on uh, the finals were on NBC. And and there was at least like, you know, some kind of mainstreamness to the previous regime. But there's no substitute for like being on ESPN and, you know, having uh, having it appear on prominently on the homepage of ESPN.com. And they, you know, hired a bunch of writers and they have hired a lot of great broadcasters and they're just talking about it a lot. Like they're actually kind of, you know, giving uh, their investment a lot of chances to shine and i do think that yeah the combination of like you you do have 
just when the Rangers are good, I think that it does sort of help the sport um, be more on people's minds. Uh, I was so hoping for, you know, a repeat of uh, June of 1994, specifically <laughs> a uh, two things, a Rangers Stanley Cup uh, parade. And then later that same day, a disgraced former Heisman Trophy winner uh, driving around in a white Bronco. Can we have that happen? <laughs> Can we make that? Anyway, uh <laughs> But anyway, I thought back to that, you know, that era, because that was like a great era for New York sports. The Knicks were in the finals at the same time as the Rangers. Knicks nowhere near the finals, of course. What, now, yeah, what is a Knicks? Uh, no one knows. No, <laughs> no one remembers that they exist. Uh, but anyway, that, uh, yeah, I think having the, the, um, the best teams also just kind of play like it and not having this feeling of like flukishness to things yeah. helped. Um, you know, I... I guess the the networks are kind of happy that it's like, oh, well, it's not Florida versus, you know, St. Louis or something. like, I don't know, or Minnesota versus Florida. Let's let's go with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, but even on that front, like the Kings were in it. Boston was in it. New York was in it. Washington was in it. Pittsburgh was in it. Toronto was in it. like these like these are like, again, large eastern seaboard cities that, Dallas you know, also. Dallas, of course. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I like even just like Bloomberg had a story that came out last week and, you know, didn't last necessarily too long, but it was like the finance wonks guide to loving the New York Rangers. And it was just like, Oh, okay. People are actually beginning to reactivate a component of fandom that hadn't um, existed. Yeah. And the, you know, it helped that this was kind of the, I want to say it's the longest playoff run they've been on since 2015 when they almost went to the finals. So, you know, there was this kind of lull, this dead period. And uh, ironically, they lost to the Lightning, actually, in that. Um, yeah. It is very ironic. I fucking and hate the that. And other, uh, the other irony of it is that they were constantly chasing the ghost of uh, the 2014 Kings who beat them in the finals uh, the last time they made the finals that that 2014 Kings team was the only previous team. Well, I guess still the only team that uh, had to go seven games to make the finals in each of its previous, uh, you know, three series. So that's what the Rangers, Damn. when they were up against it, they were kind of hoping to do that. So it's, uh, there were a lot of weird parallels with like former, why am uh, I only learning now Ranger that hockey teams. has ghosts? That's so right. <laughs> yeah. Unlike all those other sports, uh, you <laughs> thought that it didn't. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I think there's a component of that uh, there. And, and you know, Colorado against Tampa. I wonder how that's going to play. Like, you know, in terms of, I think ESPN has been doing a good job of trying to underscore and, you know, stories like mine also trying to underscore exactly like how, um, how this is like a really amazing matchup and kind yeah. of a clash of, of Titanic uh, teams. Will that translate to interest when you're talking about Tampa and Colorado? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, this is like, you know, the, the bucks, uh, you know, the, the Buccaneers, you know, Super Bowl a couple of years, like, you know, it's, it's this like star powered, um, you know, kind of uh, group of, of players that we're talking about that, if this were the NFL equivalent or, you know, the NBA equivalent, you would really be like excited about it, I think. So hopefully that translates over to, to kind of help people understand that this is that type of matchup, you know? Yeah. It is I, like, Chiefs I, against Bucks. I saw a lot like of that. giants at the, um, at the game for the Rangers whenever they were at home. I'd be interested to see if like Thomas Brady or Robert Gronkowski uh, start going to the, uh, the Tampa games. <laughs> Yeah, that is uh, that is interesting because you know they had their um, 
they just had a great year for championship parades out on that uh, river in in Tampa last, uh, you know, whenever it was last year. Uh, famously, that was the one where Brady, like, dropped the Super Bowl trophy in the water or something <laughs> like that or, like, threw it across a boat or something. He did, he got, yeah. He got it was pretty massively cool. shit-faced at, that, uh, at that, par- <laughs> that parade. But, Listen. yeah, so, you know, Tampa, maybe, maybe we're not giving them enough credit now, you know, given the fact that they are – like I've I've said this in the past jokingly, but like, is Tampa the new Boston in terms I, of like this this city that just like you know is always in the championship hunt? Uh, it's I mean, so we can weird. do more than that. We have we can draw more conclusions between Tampa and Boston. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, we, there are more crossovers uh, individually on that. Um, but yeah, so. I don't know. I, I, a lot I do of fans of JFK Jr. I don't know. <laughs> like, oh my god! <laughs> are they are they fans? Uh, 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 never mind. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I was just gonna say that. Um, yeah, I do think that it's gotten a little more cultural, um, you know, appreciation across uh, maybe outside the just hardcore fans this year. Yeah, but it's so tough to say. Like, it is, I think yeah. everybody coming out of the pandemic is just so uh, you know still kind of excited for uh, for sports. You know the kind of live sports um, environment. So I think we're just excited about you know championship spectacles. Yeah, I agree with that. I, but I do think that there's something there, and I also think that there's something to be said for like that. And this is obviously going back to my favorite shit of like soft power and all that. But like, I feel like the sports that have gained the most over the past like couple years have been things like F1 and like wrestling. And I think that that is in no small part because they have engaged in the kind of like documentaries and myth making that you have to do to get normies to care about you. Yeah. And I think that it is nice if like the 30 for 30 engine starts training its eye to the library of hockey content. I think oh, it is completely. nice to get like a little bit more of that kind of mainstream attention on that kind of thing. Um, I think it's just good. Uh, and like, I think that having like, obviously this is in part because I have only paid attention to hockey in the past two years, but I think that there is definitely some cultural mainstreaming going on that, um, you know, you can't really account for outside of the fact that like, Oh, people are talking about this kind of stuff. People are watching these, um, things. Uh, I don't know. I think it's happening in a way that, it's like it's very hard to like make it happen. It has to kind of happen organically. But like the nice thing about having, you know, new interest and new streaming services and that kind of stuff is that there's a lot of money into hyping their own stuff. And so, yeah, uh, I think that there's something to be said for that. But we'll yeah, see. and it helps also to have like you know personalities, hockey players, maybe traditionally not known for having you know mm. very colorful personalities. But I think you know like Tampa. Yeah, uh, Nikita Kucherov had that like uh, beer-soaked uh, press conference last year, where <laughs> where he just like <laughs> was shirtless and was just like not giving a shit about anything anymore, and you know talking talking smack and, and all this stuff. It's like that's that's good for the game to have characters, you know, like especially to take the comparison to F1 or WWE, like the the lifeblood of of that one is scripted. And the other one is WWE. Uh, that, <laughs> but like the lifeblood of, of the those Death final was bullshit. We agree, right? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, the the lifeblood of those sports is like the personalities and like the drama. And you know, F one is like 
uh, high school mean girls, but they drive really fast cars, essentially. So I think, you know, if you, the more you can lean into that uh, yeah. around a sport, the the better you can get. So I don't know, if, you know, I don't think there's like a huge rivalry per se yet between the Avalanche and the Lightning, but like there could be by the end of the series because the yeah. Lightning just like both these teams, but especially the, the Lightning, I feel like because of the way that they have done things in the past and just some of the characters that they have, they like leave a trail of rivalry behind them. Uh, and like they have, <laughs> they're the bullies that have shoved those poor Florida Panther nerds in the locker so many times uh, over the years. <laughs> but like, you know, in Colorado, we're, they were just weirdly businesslike. I feel like during this, this playoff run, like you couldn't even get like a whole lot of, you know, um, drama and storyline kind of going around. It's like, they swept the Predators, who were, you know, overmatched. They had a little trouble with the Blues. Uh, but then, you know, in the Oilers series, it was billed as this, like, McDavid versus McKinnon, you know, matchup or whatever. And, like, it just didn't seem to matter. The Avalanche could beat them in high-scoring games. The Avalanche could beat them in low-scoring games. The Avalanche could beat them in overtime. You know, so I think it was just too much depth uh, and too much talent for Colorado. So I'm curious as to, like, you know, when they do face adversity, what's going to kind of come out uh, in terms of storylines as the finals goes on? Because they haven't really faced that much adversity um, through the playoffs, whereas Tampa has faced a ton of it, if we think about it. You know, I guess the closest that the Avs came was like they might have thought they were on, afraid of potentially blowing a 3-1 lead against the Blues because they <laughs> lost game five of that series, uh, you know, and had to kind of play a, a game six back in St. Louis. But that one was never really that much in doubt either, honestly, like uh, from from game two onward, you know, so it, it was just too businesslike. Want to see it shaken up a little bit. And I think yeah. we'll see that in this series. That's good. I like that. It'll be very fun. Again, more sports should basically be like anime, like little like that heels. Is true. Yeah. We yeah. need anime arcs. We yep. need like the the training arc or the redemption arc or mm-hmm. you know the I've None I've of this been business defeated. Like. <laughs> no, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Although ironically, uh, some of the characters in our favorite animes are salarymen. But I, yeah. you know, the 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 best ones. We need this to become like an isekai, right? We need uh, oh, the wow. avalanche to like you expand know, leave, on that. <laughs> leave their leave their own world and find themselves transported to another world, the world of finals intensity, in which you know they find out that they're the chosen one, and then they have to lead a ragtag group to the. It really kind of falls apart. Neil, that's point. the Olympics. What you're describing is the Olympics. <laughs> that's true. The, the Olympics are an isekai. That is amazing. I've never actually considered that before. We're we're gonna we're gonna break this open. Um, cool. So we're we've done this for about a half an hour now. I guess is there anything that you want to get into before the like kind of previewing it, or or I feel like we've really kind of hit the stakes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I think that you know that's just about all all we've got in terms of you know setting the the scene for this series. Sweet. And so we didn't do a team of the week. I suppose who is your team of the week? Well, first of all, we haven't recorded in like a month and a half or something. Yeah. So I don't know. Team of I'm the last uh, month and a half. What How was your month avalanche? and a half? What'd you get up to? Oh, you know, the usual. Just uh, really, honestly, like having these sports on so much is like exhausting. So I'm glad that these sports are now in the finals and that <laughs> it's almost over. Um, but yeah, I think the team of the, the playoffs has been Colorado. Like I said, they're 12 and two in the playoffs. Tampa is, t- is 12 and five 
you know, it's a slight distinction. But honestly, those are the only two teams that even have an above 500 record in, in the playoffs. So, you hmm. know, they kind of took care of all their business and, and then some. Um, but, yeah, I think Colorado is is the is is the best team. It's just a question of whether they will win and whether the best team will win. Right. Hmm. All right. That, that sets it up pretty well. So, um, yeah, we'll see when we can record next. It might be a little bit post game, might be a little bit mid game. We'll have to see how the next <laughs> week or so goes, but, um, yeah, I'll be watching. It'll be very fun. It should be very good. I really enjoy these playoffs obviously because my team did rather well on them, but at the same time, like not bad. Yeah. It's, it's been, uh, I think a nice mix of like, you know, the first round was super competitive, but then we saw things kind of coalesce around a group of teams that seemed like they really had what it took to kind of keep going through the playoffs. And it's given us the two best teams. So I think it's been a great playoff so far. Yeah, it's been fun seeing which bars are airing it now, because for a while uh-huh. in, the, in the early playoffs, it was just like the Irish bars and Queens. And now I'm seeing it in other places, too. And so it's fun. <laughs> like, yeah, although they did that stop at. Well, I guess they had there has not been a game since the Rangers got eliminated. So because yeah. the avalanche apparently just decide we're going to take a little like mini summer vacation in between the Western conference final and the actual final. And that's actually kind of interesting. That's an interesting factor too. Cause we always get into that debate over whether it's like, are they going to be rested or are they going to be rusty. too rusty and rest versus rust? I tend mm. to kind of think rest is more valuable because like, especially in hockey, like, these guys are just wounded. Like they have been going nonstop for months and months and months. And, you know, everybody, uh, once you get to this stage of the playoffs has some kind of like injury that they're nursing. So I have to think that the days off will kind of help relative to what Tampa is, you know, they've had a few days off too, but you know, I think I would have preferred the Rangers to have a a day off or two over the course of the past month. I think that that would have, (laughs) <laughs> Kept a little gas in their tank that was lacking. Yeah, the end, yeah. But. Well, you know, we all could use a little more gas in our tank for Can a lower use... price. Am I right? Absolutely. Yes. Pff, Biden. Take De Blasio. Yeah. Come on, De Blasio. Jeez. Lower the prices. What's up? Jeez. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Sweet. All right. So I think that kind of wraps it up for us. We can yeah. obviously be found at Goons Pod, and you should follow at Goons Pod. Goons Pod is the best. Um, pod. I think we're on the internet in a couple different places. You are at the acclaimed website 538 and i am on twitter and at insider and among other twitter places. first and foremost i guess first and foremost absolutely yeah that's what the pulitzer was for is for twitter all right bye